Year after year, one of the most consistent items on my do something list is to have fun with fashion. Exploring my personal style has added more joy to my everyday life and helped me feel more like myself on the regular. However, I have found that there are some brands I would love to explore more, but they are out of my typical price range, or there's the it item that I would love to try out, but without the commitment of keeping it. Enter Armoire. With a clothing rental membership from Armoire, you can build the perfect wardrobe with brands that are high quality, unique, and recommended just for you. All you have to do is take a five minute style quiz and select items from your dynamic personalized closet. The styles show up at your door in as little as two days. Then when you're ready for new clothes, just swap them out for more new to you styles. I just did my quiz and have selected a few dresses for the summer from Bowdoin, one of my favorite brands that I can't typically afford. And I also got a double-breasted black blazer from a new-to-me designer, a classic item that I have been on the hunt for but too scared to commit to until I know it's the one. For you expecting mamas, for those who are working or those who are style-obsessed, who want to switch out your wardrobe with quality pieces without the designer prices, check out this woman-owned company that has your style and your sustainability in mind. Right now, my listeners can give Armoire a try and get up to 50% off their first month. That's up to $125 off. Just visit armoire.style slash progress. That's armoire.style, A-R-M-O-I-R-E dot style slash progress to get up to 50% off your first month and never worry about what to wear again. Try Armoire today. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to About Progress, a podcast devoted to ordinary people who are striving to improve themselves, overcome obstacles, and make something special of their lives, all while maintaining a healthy balance. In short, people who know life is about progress, not perfection. Hello, and thank you so much for tuning in. Yes, it is a Thursday, not a Wednesday, and there is a Obviously, very good reason for that, and that is we had our baby boy on Monday night. So it was a bit of a a stressful weekend getting him here, but that's why we just delayed the podcast a day. I'm really excited for you to hear more about that. I am going to do a special podcast on that, more as a follow-up to the podcast episode I did with the doula and childbirth educator, Lara Dugovic. Um, to just kind of report back about the things we discussed there and how it went for me and our labor with our little boy. If you want more updates on him and our lives, you can see us on Instagram at about progress. So enough about me. I want to tell you about our guest today. This is Nisha Woodhouse. 
She was a nomination for the show. Nisha is the director of Lifehouse Performing Arts Academy, and they have such a unique mission statement. And Nisha tells us more about what that's all about to help dancers love who they are first and serve their communities and to expand themselves and their talents in ways that are going to last a lifetime. Nisha has such great thoughts on perfectionism in general. She shares about her own dancing journey, how she ended up starting a studio, what she feels people need to know about progress and working on themselves. I think you're going to really enjoy this time that I spent with Nisha. So let's turn to our interview together. Hello, I am here with Nisha Woodhouse. Hi, Nisha. Hello. It's such a pleasure to have you on. We were able to chat a few weeks ago, and I could have talked to you for hours. So I know that our listeners are going to love to learn about you and who you are. So can you start by giving our listeners a little introduction? You bet. Um, I live in Spanish Fork, Utah, and I am the director and owner of Lifehouse Performing Arts Academy. It's a, mostly a dance studio. We do some musical theater as well. And I have a great husband and three wonderful children. And my family brings me a lot of happiness and joy. And and that's pretty much me. <laughs> that's a good nutshell. So we're going to go a little <laughs> deeper now. And, you know, you and I talked about your career with dance and and how that started for you. So can you tell us a little bit more about your own dance journey, what it was like for you to grow up dancing and where it took you as a young adult? Yeah, you bet. Um, I think I had a really typical um, childhood with dance. It was just something I loved to do and I spent a lot of time doing. I loved performing and loved the camaraderie with um, my dance friends and and the ability to express myself. I went to college at BYU and danced um, on the Cougarettes there on their dance team and had a a lot of fun doing that. It was great. Um, Met a lot of really good friends and had some wonderful experiences. Um, I I think the most life-shaping experience for me happened with um, one of my teachers. She was my advanced jazz teacher at BYU. Her name is... Kim Yandel, and she had been a professional dancer in New York and had done pretty much anything you could ever dream of doing with dance. Um, and was just a phenomenal mentor in person. And, and I just remember one day she sat us down as a class and, and asked us the question, why do you dance? Um, and I had never really thought about that before. It was just something that I really enjoyed doing and was just a part of huge part of my identity and couldn't Mm -hmm. imagine not being involved in dance in some way. Um, but as she, as she taught, um, I realized after some self-reflection that a lot of why I danced was for the validation and the praise of other people, Mm -hmm. you know, to have somebody look and say, wow, look what she can do with her body or isn't that amazing um it that's where a lot of my motivation came from it and she asked us questions like if you were alone in a room and no one could see you would you dance with the same intensity the same work ethic as if you were dancing in front of a thousand people Hmm. um and that those are powerful questions for me because my answer was no 
I wouldn't mm-hmm. um, when I was really honest with myself. And it, it started me looking at a lot of aspects of my life and why I did a lot of things, um, what, what my motivation was and what my intent was. And just recognizing that a lot of what I did was for the approval and the admiration mm-hmm. of others, not just in dance. But as someone who had been very heavily involved in the performing arts and, you know, singing and dancing and um, and was a really good student and involved in, like, student leadership positions in school, you know, a lot of what I did was very visible. Um, and I was kind of ex- constantly externally manifesting something and just recognized that for me, just achievement in some way being recognized was such a huge part of my identity. I almost felt like I didn't exist if I wasn't producing something that could be validated by other people. Wow. Um, yeah. And that was, that was kind of a hard recognition mm. for me. Um, and she just, uh, Kim talked to us about how, you know, we were accountable for, the intent behind our movement, why, why we did the things that we did. And, but it, the intent of our heart would affect the people who were watching us dance, would affect the audience and what they felt from us. Um, and that conversation was really powerful for me as a dancer and as, and as a person, um, kind of changed the course of my career and was a total paradigm shifter, um, around, the purpose of dance and just kind of the first path to a, a long journey toward what I feel like is truth. Wow. And you know, this is something that I think I keep getting beat over the head with this whole idea of moving your motivation from away from the approval, admiration, acceptance of others and more towards uh, the intent to lift and strengthen others through your gifts and mm-hmm. to improve mm-hmm. yourself. So I, I'm really looking forward to hearing more about what you say about this. I, I told you that I was a, a dancer as well growing up, but my love of dancing and my struggle with it diminished greatly as I lost that sense of approval and admiration for my gifts, if that makes sense. And mm-hmm. so I'm kind of sad that interfered. And I think it's really important for us all to see the difference behind the motivation. So how can someone move their motivation away from that validation and more towards self-expression for one, for really expressing the love Mm -hmm. of the gift that you have and, and the gratitude for it and with intent to lift and strengthen. And what did that look like for you? Well, I think that dance is such a good metaphor for life because you know, I've taught thousands of kids now over the last 20 years, mm-hmm. and we are all given very, very different bodies. Mm-hmm. And in dance, your body is your instrument. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's not like in piano where, or violin or something where you're, you're playing an extra, an, another instrument. You're using your body to express, and that is really vulnerable. And and everyone's body is completely unique. I have never, never taught two kids who are exactly alike mm-hmm. in their structure, their bone structure, their muscles, um, you know, their level of flexibility and turnout, their strengths and their limitations as dancers. I've never taught anyone the same. 
and that that goes along with us as as human beings too we're all different with different capacities and different struggles and um, different personalities but there are just like in life there are true principles in in dance in anatomy in um, technique there are things like if, if your mm. body is aligned correctly then there is truth in it and there are there are ways that you can um, teach that truth and that level of mastery to to kids and I've seen kids overcome huge structural obstacles and limitations through hard work and and good training um but it's what I hope for my students is that they they are doing it because they they want to be able to more, more fully express who they are through dance and when you have technical um, limitations or you have a lack of technique then that inhibits your ability to be expressive mm-hmm. um, and you know it's just the more that you develop mastery in that truth and develop integrity in your body, the more you are able to share and express and uplift. Hmm. But the intent behind it isn't, um, I love, there's a, there's a show by, um, a guy, he used to be a, he's a, um, photographer for National Geographic and it's called celebrating what's right with the world. And he teaches this beautiful principle that, I just feel like perfectly describes it. He said, um, instead of thinking about being the best in the world, think about being the best for the world. And mm-hmm. instead of thinking of a life of success, think about living a life of significance. Huh. And I really feel like the more excellence you have as a dancer, the more you can be of significance to others. But it's not that your desire is to develop this integrity in your body so that you can be impressive so that you can um, receive that praise of other people, because that is always going to be short lived. You know, you're on top one day, you're not the next, you go to one class. um, You feel like you're the best in the class. The next way, you know, the next day you're the worst in the class. So Uh it's just a, that's a very, um, insecure and hard place to be in the Mm. world and as a dancer especially and I feel like I feel like my students who um I mean maybe like your experience my students who struggle with that and struggle grasping that they they tend to not last because it's just hard to define yourself that way um Mm -hmm. but if your desire is just for truth and to to develop and to have integrity so that you can be of greater significance and because this is something that you love to do and you feel drawn um, drawn to do then then you can focus more on your own progression and your own improvement um, because you're seeing that that the more you develop that the more um, capacity you have to be um, a light to others and to express yourself in a more full way you now. So, and I, I think that applies to, 
to anything. Like the more that you can find your words and speak truth and be articulate, Mm -hmm. the more, the more you practice that and the more you develop truth in your, like in your vocabulary and in your beliefs and in the way that you live, the more that you can share that with other people, but it's not so that other people think well of you or are impressed by you. Um, It just becomes a natural outgrowth of who you are. And it's much more long lasting and fulfilling that way yeah. too. And, and like you said, mm-hmm. you don't give up quite so easily when that is the motivation at your heart to develop that mastery so that you can help um, gain, gain that truth that you talked about. I love that idea that you have that, that, that doesn't mean that you just accept yourself completely as you are in terms of why try because I'm, I'm just accepting myself for who I am. What you're saying is there's still a call to develop that mastery, but when Mm -hmm. you change the motivation, it's a better path and it's a better outcome. Maybe you can speak a little bit more on that, how the progress still needs to happen. Mastery still needs to happen regardless of where that takes us. You know, maybe that will still change as we go throughout our lives, what, where that mastery is directed, but I, I, I wanted to hear some more of what your views are on that. Yeah, I, I don't think that just acceptance is an excuse to diminish yourself or to not hold yourself accountable to your best work. Um, um, I'm not saying that we should just have self-acceptance and and kind of make an excuse for ourselves. Well, this is the way I was born and it's okay. I think that in whatever we're doing that we should expand and develop and grow to our potential and whatever it is that we feel called to do, because that it not only um, like develops your dance talent, but it develops who you are as a human being, like your ability to work hard and to overcome adversity and to be uncomfortable and to be challenged. I think those are all important skills to live a big life. And the the big life is the life that can have that significance and that influence on other people. I think when we stay where it's safe and where we're comfortable, um, we really diminish our capacity to bless other people and to um, have true joy. And to have true, um, just a true sense of our potential and of who we are, that requires us to to grow and to struggle and to put forth the hard work. And my my greatest joy is seeing a dancer, um, and I could think of several examples of my students who had a lot of physical limitations, mm-hmm. a lot of. Um, of things that they had to overcome structurally and who just worked hard. And and I have brilliant teachers who have taught them truth and, and helped to hold them accountable and to see them overcome those things and, and to grow to where they have integrity in their body and they become beautiful artists. And, and I think the most powerful thing has been the confidence that I've seen them gain as a human being Mm. that they can grow, they can expand, they can reach their potential through hard work and through discipline. Um, 
but it's not in a way that we're comparing one dancer to another dancer's potential or growth. It's, it's each individual focusing on themselves and, and their unique body and what they need to do to, to reach their individual potential. Um, and that's where the true joy comes from is when we take what we've been given and, and we expand upon it. Oh, that's so beautiful. Um, you, you talked about how we can move towards what we feel like we have been called to do. For you, that has been creating this incredible academy. And I wanted to know about the start of that for you. How did it start? And how has it surprised you where it's taken you and your family? Well, it's, you know, it's interesting. If you would have told me, showed me my life today, um, 20 years ago, I would have laughed. So this was not um, an ambition that I had. Um, I said dance was always just a huge love and a huge joy of mine. But I feel like there's so many more people who are more talented and more qualified than me to um, be running this large dance studio. But um, I love hearing that, though, Nisha, and I'm sure other people do, too. Because that's, I mean, that's why we don't often try something, because you know, we, we know our limitations or we might only see our limitations. So, so tell us, tell me more about that evolution then for you about still creating it, even despite that. Yeah, well, it started, um, I just had my first baby and we were living in a little community called Elkridge, um, and which is kind of 10 minutes from town, like businesses and that type of thing up in the mountains down by Payson and Salem in South Utah County. And um, I had some neighbors who knew I was a dancer and said, why don't you teach dance to our our little girls so that we don't have to drive off the mountain to dance lessons. And so um, I had planned, my husband had, had a good job. He graduated from his master's program. And my plan was to, to raise my, have a family and raise kids. And, but um, I, loved dance and it was hard for me to think of it not being a part of my life so I thought well this is something that I can do and we ripped up carpet in our newly finished basement and (laughs) made a little dance studio put a wood floor down and I thought I would teach um, three to eight year olds and have 20 students and um, I really had no idea what I was doing (laughs) but I I loved it and I loved the kids and by the third year I had 90 students Um, and when it first started, it didn't have the full, you know, mission. It just, it kind of came line upon line. Kim, my dance teacher at BYU came back into my life again and we started having more conversations and she was such an amazing mentor um, Mm -hmm. because she just spoke truth. And the more that I visited with her, the more I just felt myself changing more and more. And by about the third year, um, I had made some decisions as the studio grew, like we wouldn't do competition and, um, we would be focused on good, solid technique and beautiful, um, performances and opportunities for growth for everybody. Um, and then I think the, the vision and the values just, they continued to grow and expand from there. And, and the studio grew about every two or three years we were having to expand and move locations. Um, and at first 
the decision not to compete was very, um, people were very shocked by it because that's Mm -hmm. become such a huge part of the dance community. Um, And my students would get comments like, you guys must not be very good because Mm -hmm. you don't compete. (laughs) Um, And, but I just, I just felt strongly that the vision that was coming to me, that competition would not be, um, it just wouldn't be a good relationship with my higher desires with the studio. Hmm. Um, what did those so turn out to be then, those higher desires that you talked higher about? Higher desires. Well, I, um, I wrote down seven values one day and they're on the walls of the studio. They just came to me kind of in mm-hmm. a flood. And these are the things that I hope my students gain and learn through dance and through their time at the studio. And the first is just, um, Right as you walk in, it says, this is a safe haven. In these walls, we treat each other with kindness and respect. So try and facilitate um, a feeling of authenticity. You bring who you are, wherever you are as a dancer, it's okay. And we're not going to compare and we're not going to point fingers, but this is a place where you're safe to learn and grow and you can be loved and valued and cherished for who you are. Um, The second is... I understand that if it doesn't challenge me, it doesn't change me. Hmm. Just meaning that if any type of growth or development, I mean, being a great dancer is, it is so hard physically and mentally and emotionally. Um, But if we don't challenge ourselves, we're not going to grow and we're not going to change. And that's something that I, I hope the kids carry on with them forever. The third which is really, this one's really important to me is who I am is more important than what I can do. So I hope the kids learn that you can be this amazing dancer who can do these incredible things with their body. But if you have a, a selfish and a, a prideful heart, it, it really doesn't matter that, that who you are on the inside manifests through your movement. And that that's way more important that you're a kind person who lives according to true principles and you're good to other people, it's more way more important than what you can do with your body. Um, the fourth is I will focus on my own potential and not worry how I compare to others. And that is, mm. that's hard for yes. all of us. And it's really hard when you're standing in a leotard, yeah. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, and you're no looking way. at yourself and others in the mirror, but such a powerful lesson. And I, I have seen, I have seen kids who have really grasped that and boy, does does it save a lot of wasted time and energy when you can learn to focus on yourself and your potential. Hmm. It's a really powerful principle. Um, um, The fifth, I will not fear the truth for that is how I become all that I am meant to be. So I want the students to be truth seekers and not lie to themselves. Like, am I really working my hardest? Am I making excuses? owning the body that I've been given, owning that I have limitations and that other people maybe don't have. Cause I feel like the more we, we own and we face the truth with a lot of self love that the quicker we can grow. Yes. Um, the six is it's not the critic who counts. It is the person brave enough to share a part of themselves on the stage under the spotlight that truly matters. Um, another thing I took from, that celebrate what's right with the Mm -hmm. world video that was so powerful for me is 
um, he said, put it all out there without regard for how it's received. And that's mm. a concept I want. My performers, when they're up on the stage, it's it's not the person in the audience who may criticize you that counts. It's it's you who is standing up there that's being vulnerable, that's that's sharing. And, and I have to do that too when I write shows and we put productions on to not listen to the, the critic, the person that's sitting back that's not that's not putting themselves out there on the stage, you know, that you don't listen to that. You listen to your, your inner voice and, um, and continue. Cause if you listen to the critic, you're going to, you're going to stop Yes, because <laughs> they're always going to exist. And then the last one is my body is a gift. I will use it as an instrument to uplift and inspire others. Um, I hope they can learn to be appreciative for the body that they've been given, um, something I really believe is that we are all perfectly designed. That I believe in a creator that doesn't make mistakes. So I think if you were given a body that has short legs, that that's what you need to learn and grow. If you have a body that has this physical limitation with dance, that there's a reason for it because because that is if we if we learn to love and accept our body and and all parts of us and help them grow and expand that that's going it's it's because we're more, we're born that way that's going to enable us to reach our potential. I really believe that. You know, and then that we use our body and the things that we've been given to uplift and to bless and to do good and not to diminish other people um you know, that we're aware of the way that we affect and impact others for good or for bad. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Wow, that changes so much, not only of dance, but I think all of our gifts and talents, whether or not it's in the performing arts. Oh, there's so much there that I feel like we can all learn from. That's incredible. I wish I would have been in our in your dance studio growing up and that I could put my daughter in it now with you. It's just so unique of a mission too. How have you how have you seen lives transformed in your studio through these concepts and this mission? I feel like the students who really grasp these concepts they have they're secure with themselves like they have a sense of peace with who they are and they also have a desire to be better and to expand but not in an unhealthy way but just a drive and a desire to grow and to develop and I feel like they because they're comfortable and they love themselves they have an ability to truly love other people Um, When you can stop comparing and see each other's humanity, um, I feel like that that allows us to grow. You know, just an example, my my oldest daughter, she graduated last year and Mm. from high school, she's 18, and she had a lot of physical limitations as a dancer, but loved it. You know, she had flat feet and 
um, just just had a lot of things that she had to work to overcome in her dancing. Like it did not come naturally for her. Mm-hmm. Um, but she she worked really really hard, and she is she is a beautiful a beautiful dancer, um, and really did reach her potential. Mm-hmm. Her best friend at the studio who she grew up with and they became really, really good friends um, her junior and senior year. She is a prodigiously phenomenal dancer, mm-hmm. you know, is, is already dancing professionally out of high school and mm-hmm. has unlimited potential as an artist. You know, she just has, could go and do anything really and is a wonderful girl. Um, what I loved is they both learned to accept and love themselves, you know, um, not in like a self-aggrandizing way and not in a self-diminishing way, but to just accept. Like my my daughter is a really gifted pianist. She's on music scholarship um, at college hmm. and That's has incredible. had a lot of opportunities with that. And that came really easy. That came easy for her, along with a lot of hard work. But, you know, but that came more naturally to her. But they loved each other because they had kind of accepted themselves and where they were at. They were such good friends. And my daughter, you know, I think maybe through like that 12, 13 year old, you know, there was some jealousy and a little envy there of her friend, but, Mm -hmm. but by the, as they matured and, and really learned to incorporate the principles, they, they would do anything for each other. They are happy for each other. Um, they're comfortable with who they are and watching them dance together those last few years. It just was so joyful to see, uh, and that whole group of girls that they were with, that they are comfortable in their own skins. And, and that, that is just beautiful. You know, one's not trying to outshine the other. They're all just being the best that they can be and being good company members for each other. Um, there's just so much genuine self-love because of the way that they viewed themselves as individuals and it was it was an awesome year it was really neat to see that type of um, group dynamic my goodness that's gonna serve them so well their whole lives I mean that's something I think we struggle yeah as women even now I mean just even within our own little circles and with you know Mm -hmm. smaller things we can struggle with letting that comparison get in the way of our, our progress, but also our joy. So I'm so impressed that those girls have learned that at such a young age. And, you know, obviously the studio alone has, has shown them that way. And that's incredible, Nisha. It's now time for our mid-episode break. I don't know if I'm the only one who has noticed a huge uptick in the publication of new podcasts. It's an exciting time. Podcasting is the new blogging, and I totally support and love people who want to get into this business. In fact, that is something that I take on personally. I consult people who want to start a podcast. I've had many clients, and I love working with them and helping them hone their vision of what they want their podcast to do and also to direct them to what services that they should use as they create their podcast which software hardware tools equipment all of that the world of podcasting is so new and there's so much out there that is not 
really widely shared and readily shared, especially within the community. So that's where I step up and I will just give you all my tools. I will share all my secrets and I'll help you figure it out. So if you or someone you know is so interested in starting a podcast, have them reach out to me at packerprogress at gmail.com to inquire about my consultation services. Right now, my fees are $50 an hour. And usually I just consult people for an hour or two and then we email back and forth as well to uh, and text as well to just help them launch. So that's where we're at right now. Those prices will definitely be going up the more and more I do this. So please get them on it now, better now than later for sure. My email address for that again is packerprogress at gmail.com and I so look forward to working with you or someone you know and are rooting on. Now let's get back to my interview with Nisha. You know, I have I have a question for you I, that I wanted to shift a little bit. I a lot of times people ask the balance question because, um, mm-hmm. you know, your your greatest joy in life has been your family, and and you also run this incredibly successful dance or performing arts academy. So you know, they ask the balance question a lot. But what I want to know more is how did you know what your calling was? with, you know, to do the studio, because that's what I hear so often from women. Cause I don't, I don't believe there isn't really a perfect way to balance it, but it's more of how do I know when I'm being called to do something and when Mm -hmm. it might not be the easiest time. So what was that like for you with this studio in mind? Well, I, the way I can, the best way I can describe it, I don't know if this will be helpful for people, but it's the way it is for me. I have to follow my gut Mm -hmm. and I have to follow my intuition or almost makes me physically ill. (laughs) So (laughs) if I know I'm supposed to do something, even if it makes absolutely no sense financially, or I, I don't know, I, it's not rational. And I kind of feel like the growth of the studio has always been that way. It's always worked out, but it's always been a risk. And yeah. but I just I knew I was supposed to do it and then things would fall into place like the right facility and, and that doesn't mean there weren't obstacles and sure. you know, scary times, but but things would work out. You know, the right the right staff members would come have come along. I mean, I have just brilliant people who work for the studio who have strengths that I don't who've taught me a lot and who have been a huge asset to the students and, and to me as a, as a person. And that go that's from like organizational, like office people to instructors um, that have just been phenomenal and become really amazing friends. And, and, and so all those little parts and pieces just came into place. And I think one of the big factors is, it was causing me to continue to grow and to develop as a person myself. Okay. Like it was making me a better human being. I'm a better human Hmm. being because I have done this. I have learned things I would not have learned any other way. I have faced, I've had to face things in myself, um, have weaknesses shown to me, had to grow and develop in ways that I wouldn't have had I not run the studio. And, and that, for, for other people, those growth opportunities will come in other ways. This, mm-hmm. this was just mine. Hmm. Um, it, it continued to um, just produce 
good themes, goodness in me and even, and goodness in my family. Like, even though it's been a sacrifice, it's produced good things for my children. I think if you asked any of them, you know, are you glad your mom did this? They would say that, yes, it's been hard at times, but it's been, it's been a huge blessing to our family. Like it's made them better people. Hmm. And, and I think the focus for me as a mom that's really helped me is instead of thinking about in raising my kids, like, I don't know, kind of a to-do list of things, which is how I first approached motherhood that would make me a good mom. If I did A, B, C, D, you know, Mm -hmm. then I'm a good mom and I have to have those things to, to think about that. I have a relationship with my children and with my husband. And is that relationship strong and how can I develop that relationship and the ways that that kind of manifests to me is do I feel a strong connection to my children? Do I feel like I know who they are? I know what's going on in their lives. Do they feel comfortable crying in my arms? Do they feel comfortable sharing their dreams and their concerns with me? Um, are there opportunities to, to communicate? And is there a strong connection, like a real authentic connection, not, not them just trying to please me or, Mm. you know, like, and how do I continue to facilitate that relationship and thinking about it that way, because I don't do a lot of the things that, um, you know, maybe some people think of as a good, a, a good mom or what was in my mind as a good mom. But I feel like I have a phenomenal relationship with my children, despite my imperfections and the fact that I've run this business so that that's the way I've I've thought about it you know and and I don't think that there is such a thing as balance I think that's a fallacy I think I think every day I get up and I think you know what's what's the most important thing for my time and attention and if I feel like the business I've gotten a lot better at delegating and and empowering and entrusting people to do things um And if I feel like things are getting out of balance, I'll try and offset things with the business. And then there's times, you know, there's weeks where I work 15 hour days. Mm, Um, Wow. Yeah. That's not, that's not often, but sometimes that's how it is. That's how it is. But then there's weeks that I work three or four hours a day. So, Mm. um, so I feel like it balances out and it works out because it's my path and it's what we're supposed to be doing as a family. Um, and that, yes, there's been hard things, but overall, it's been, it's been really good and really positive. Well, you have changed so many things in my mind there. I mean, that's, this was meant for me, Nisha. I don't, I don't, I don't know if you know that. Like, this whole thing that you've been saying is exactly what I need to hear. And I know there's going to be so many like me who needed to hear all of that. You know, you, you've talked about, um, you know, this, this path that you've been on, how it's helped you overcome weaknesses and develop more strengths on the way. And, you know, we've also talked personally about, um, your views of perfectionism. You call yourself, I mean, I guess you are also a recovering perfectionist, but maybe in different Mm -hmm. ways than Mm -hmm. me. So let's talk a little bit about perfectionism. What has that been like for you? Uh, just facing maybe that, that, uh, trait and how you've dealt with it and grown um, in spite of it 
and and move forward with your life. Yeah, I um, my perfectionism as I developed my self awareness and and really understood where it was coming from because the way that I defined perfectionism was things like you know, you always have to hang the towel in just the right way and <laughs> everything has to be just so. And and that's not me. And I actually feel like in, in just when I'm with myself, I'm okay acknowledging I messed up or I mm. I make mistakes sometimes. So the, where, where I, my perfectionism come, comes in is I have a huge fear of disappointing or letting down other people in some way. Mm. or making them mad, or <laughs> upsetting yeah. them. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's where I consider myself, like, like I'm okay making mistakes unless they negatively impact others or cause them mm. disappointment in some way. So my life very much revolved, like my meant so much of my mental and emotional energy revolved around the concept of making sure that I performed in such a way that no one was ever upset or disappointed with me. Huh. which is really exhausting. Yes. So I guess it would more fall under like people pleasing. Uh-huh. Um, it was more how it manifested for me and, and coming to realize that living that way is actually, it's not principled and it's not really kind. It's not really a hmm. kind way to live because my motivation wasn't the love of other people. It was making sure that others would approve or love me, mm-hmm. which is actually I relate to that. Very, like, self-focused. Yes, in a a weird way, it totally is, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, because sometimes really loving someone means doing something that's hard for them because it's it's right. Or sometimes sometimes doing what's right means disappointing somebody. Mm. And and I've had to learn to be okay with that because I was always just trying to make sure everyone was happy. Mm -hmm. And then... And then not always focused on the things that were of highest value and greatest importance to me. Like what I felt like was really right and true. Um, and so changing that paradigm has been so powerful for me. Like connecting, kind of letting go of that performance anxiety all the time and, and getting centered on what I believe, what I want, what I think is right, what feels true and feels like if I make this choice, I feel like I have integrity. Um, and then, and also thinking about what's good for other people instead of pleasing them, you know, how I oh, can, yes. okay. how I can be, do how my behavior can positively impact them, even if it causes them disappointment. Mm-hmm. And that's been really powerful for me directing the studio too, is just, um, because it, it was emotionally killing me about yeah. six years ago when oh my when I was in that people pleasing thing because well, you have so I many haven't... people to please yeah yeah <laughs> so many and, and it's impossible yeah yeah there's always going to be someone who's mad or upset and yeah and so I had to get it, it just caused me to get really clear okay you know mm. what do you think is right mm. what do you believe is true what feels like you're living in integrity and then and and taking time in every situation to get clear on that with me and then acting on that with, with as much love as I could. Yeah. Even if that meant I love people that motivation. quit. 
mm-hmm. even if that meant that somebody didn't agree with me, you know, couldn't see it my way, like mm-hmm. didn't want to hear what was true and, and to be okay and to still have loving and kind feelings toward them um, hmm. has been really powerful and, and has helped me to see that that really is true kindness. You know, that really is unselfishness. Um, but it it took a lot of inner work, a mm-hmm. lot of just growing in my self-awareness and, you know, in my emotional self, like, oh, I'm feeling this anxiety. Where is it coming from? And stopping and paying attention. Oh, you know, this little thing was said to me. It triggered this, you know, I feel like I'm letting them down. And well, what's true? I mean, just a lot of that type of work inside myself. Um, and that is work, right? It's become more <laughs> automatic. Well, yeah, hmm. the hardest work we do in life is inside of ourselves, for sure. Well, let's sure. talk more that about the that then, because I think um, you have some really profound thoughts on strengths and weaknesses. Yeah, um, I'm going to, so I have another um, sweet friend and med, a mentor. Her name is Stacy Sadler. Um, she she has this really cool thought. It's called the potential spectrum. Um, and mm-hmm. I, I have seen this in myself before, but she just put such a great way, a great way of thinking about it. But our greatest weaknesses are our greatest strengths. And they're on a they're on a potential spectrum. So if you have like if you really struggle with fear, on the other side of that is great courage and faith. That means you have the potential for great courage and great faith. And I I believe that a hundred percent. Because I've seen it in myself. I I tell my students all the time, those seven values that I shared with you. Mm-hmm all came because of my personal struggles. Hmm. Like those are truths that I wouldn't have learned had I not struggled with the opposite in myself. And it's because I struggled so much internally with those things that I came to the truth. And, and I, so I believe again, that the the whole concept that we're perfectly designed, um, that's something that that Stacy shares too. Um, I completely believe that like you, you will reach your potential because of the weaknesses and the struggles that you have inside of yourself. Um, and that the pathway to get there is just, is to really face the things that are hard for you about being you. So it's not be, it's not in spite of the weaknesses that you get to no. your true potential. It's because of them. Yes. Yes. 100%. Oh, I love that shift. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if you think about anything that is hard about being you mm-hmm. and think about the opposite of that or what the gift could be as you struggle, as you struggle and work through that part of yourself, that aspect of yourself, on the opposite side will come great strength. Oh, incredible, Nisha. I feel like we could do a whole workshop on just that alone. 
I'm going to have to do my own personal <laughs> workshop, <laughs> make a list of my weaknesses and think of their opposites so I can, you know, see how to aspire to that other side. So for you, I mean, what does success look like for you? Um, success for me is living in truth and living with integrity. That's become really central to me. Like, uh, I've had to tell myself, um, like, I've made decisions that I actually knew may not be uh, exactly popular with my um, customers, but they felt true and loving and right to me. Mm. And and I had to say, if if everything, the doors closed tomorrow and everyone everyone went away, no one wanted to be a part of the studio, that's okay as long as I'm being true to what feels like integrity to me. Mm-hmm. So being true to myself has become really important to me. Um, and then striving to impact others in a positive and a, and a meaningful way, mm-hmm. that's that is success to me, helping people to see their own potential and to discover their own truth. That's, that's really important to me. Um, seeing myself truthfully, like really allowing myself to be self-aware and facing the hard parts of myself and, um, but not in a, not in a self-loathing way, but with, um, awareness that I can grow and I can change as long as I'm seeing truth and, and seeing others in a loving and kind and generous way, um, that, that is success to me, even when they are difficult or triggering negative and hard feelings in me. If I can stay loving and see their humanity, um, that feels, that feels really empowering and good to me. You know, Nisha, you have taken what has been, I feel like, my personal call, my mission for this podcast, and you have worded it far better than I ever could and explained it far better than I ever could. And I, I'm i so grateful that your sister nominated you to be on the show and grateful for your wisdom and how eloquently you were able to share it and teach it. And you've made a profound difference in my life alone. So I just am so thankful for you and that you would take the time. I have a final question for you and I'm really looking forward to hearing what you're going to say about this. And it's what have you learned about yourself the past few years? Hmm. Well, the past few years have been intense and Hmm. hard and amazing. Um, Hmm. I've learned so much. Um, I, I think the biggest thing I've learned is that I love truth. I just, I love it. I crave it. And I believe that there is universal truth. And when we find it and we're open to it, it is so expanding and, um, and incredible. So I, I just become a huge seeker of truth Mm -hmm. and I really appreciate the opportunity to grow and develop in integrity, even when it requires a lot of struggle and some hardship. And Mm -hmm. I can say like 15 years ago, I didn't like that discomfort, but I've come to really to crave it, you know, and um, just realizing that self-deception can feel safe, but ultimately it causes us and others harm. Um, 
So, so just be open and be aware. And, and it's so liberating. If you can learn to live in that space, it's, it's so liberating. Um, I have found that you have learned that the greatest joys in life come after choosing to engage in difficult things that cause us to stretch. Huh. And, and so to not fear stretching and growing and, and getting out of our comfort zone and doing things that are hard because after comes the joy and the learning. But I've also learned that with that, I need periods of respite. Mm. I need hmm. periods of comfort to be my best self. And, and I've learned that there's a difference. This is something I'm really working on right now, personally, between recharging and escape. Um, uh, huh. You know, so I've been, I've been experimenting a lot with what, what recharges me, what fuels me for further growth, and what is me escaping and avoiding. Because those things are tend to be negative behaviors that mm-hmm. really leave us more depleted. Yes. So, um, yeah, so that's something I'm really thinking about right now. And then just what I shared earlier, I've, I've really learned that I'm perfectly designed, you know, that my strengths, my weaknesses, the body I've been given, the talents and the limitations, that they're all a perfect recipe for my growth and that they are for everybody. And, and I guess the last thing I would just say that is that true connection with other people, especially my husband and my children, my family, but my students, my friends, my coworkers, um, true connections with others is my, it's my greatest source of joy. And, um, that's where contentment and, and happiness and fulfillment comes from. Um, and I, I feel like the more that we honor what's inside of us and the more we live in truth, um, the more that we can make those deep and lasting connections with other people. Well, Nisha, you have spoken right to my heart. Thank you so much for being on the show. Thank you for having me. It was it was a lot of fun to chat with you, and it's been fun getting to know you. So thank you for the opportunity. I so enjoyed getting to know Nisha and benefiting from her wisdom. I am grateful for the people who take the time to be on this podcast who don't even know what it is, but are willing to share their hearts and their experiences with us. Nisha was one of those people, and I'm just so glad she took the time. And I hope that you can reach out to her and learn more about her studio. You can find links to her on my show notes, which are always on my website, aboutprogress.com. There you can also see past episodes. If you liked what you heard today, please do me the big favor and take a screenshot of this episode and share it. Text it or email it to a friend or family member that you think will benefit from it or share it out on social media. And if you do that, please tag me at about progress and use the hashtag about progress podcast. Sometimes when you tag me, it gets lost in my notifications, especially during this baby time when I will not be on my phone near as much. So if, if that happens, just know if you tag, if you use the hashtag instead about progress podcast, I'm more likely to find you and connect with you there, which I so love to do. Next week, we will have an interview that I think you are going to love so much. 
It is with Mikkel Monson of Monson Schoolhouse. You might know her on Instagram or YouTube. She was another nomination for me. She is a mother who's homeschools and who never, ever planned on doing it. We talk about her journey to homeschooling, what it's like for her, how she stays balanced, as well as her lifelong history with perfectionism in general and how she balances that as a mom who spends a lot of time with her kids. So come back next Wednesday for that interview. And until then, take care of yourself. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.